I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and a Coalition Snow Ambassador. And I'm Jen Gorecki, your co-host and the CEO of Coalition Snow. For those of you who are new, get ready to laugh, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is about taking the conversations that we start on the chairlift and at the trailhead and bringing them to you to explore alternative narratives that challenge the status quo about what it means to be a modern woman in the outdoors. Grab your helmet because sometimes it's a bumpy ride. FYI, friends, this podcast is for mature audiences, so you've been warned. Let's get to work and juice the patriarchy. Check. All right, so I'm just hitting record because per the usual with a Juicy Bits episode, I before we start, I like to just say hi, whether it's Jillian or a special guest like we have today, and then you start talking and you realize, oh, fuck, we should be recording this. So before we go too far, I I hit record, um, and now Kieran and I are going to record, and no one knows where this is. It's, because, it's because Jen and I are real friends, and there was already juicy bits that were happening offline before we hit record, and so we both decided it was time to start recording and sharing the, the juicy bits that already had been going down. It's true. It's true. And, and who who knows what we'll get to today on the podcast, although... I would like to just give a sort of a, a little brief introduction to who you are, because some people may recognize your voice, but maybe not all people, because they don't obsessively listen to you on Spotify like I do. Um, <clears throat> so Love. Um, today we have Kieran Gandhi joining us. Uh, you may know her as Madam Gandhi. You may know her as the person who played drums for MIA. You may know her as the person who free bled during the London Marathon. Uh, probably don't know is that to this long list of accolades, um, you can also say that she shreds pow now. And that was Woo! a big moment for us this winter when Kieran and I, well, this, this is one reason why I wanted to record the podcast. Cause this is so, this is so fun for me. Kieran and I shared a room on our coalition snow far out Japan trip. And I don't know if it was like one night or one morning, but but you legitimately like, were I like, I don't get it. Like what? Cause I was like, I'm going to breakfast at 7am. I'm walking, I'm going to be on the lift. Like we are on the powder program. And Karen's like, I don't really get it. And I was like, okay, friend, that's fine. You don't need to get it. But then you got it. Yeah, it's true. It was like life before powder and then life after powder. And I'm officially a changed woman. So here was what I didn't get. I'm like in my brain, I'm like to snowboard there's snow. So by default, what's the difference between snow and powder? Like, what's the, like, why are we obsessed with Niseko as opposed to the other places that too have snow and snowboarding? And after we did the backcountry and you taught me the beacon shovel probe avalanche life and just having to navigate trees and really like develop your skills intuitively in 
three feet of snow <laughs> while it's still snowing. It's like a radically life-changing experience. It's so fun. And I felt like I've run, mar- I've run six marathons now in my life. I'm hoping for a few more once I heal my ankle. But, you know, I felt my body felt after two days of, of uh, snowboarding powder. I felt like I had run marathons. It's such mm-hmm. a workout on the body. It really is. It really is. But yeah, I feel like, I feel like I'm never going to forget that moment of you just being like, I don't get it. But then I don't get it. Yeah. having the moment later, <laughs> being like, okay, I got it. And that that was, that we had that experience <laughs> Because it's a little backstory on how we met. Cause this is, so we actually started chatting with each other on Instagram and then we mm-hmm. met in real life on a ski trip to Mammoth. So I just had this feeling about on my birthday. Being, on my on birthday, birthday. Yeah. I was like, this person seems really amazing and a person who I want in my life. And so <laughs> I invited Kieran to come down to Mammoth. Jillian and I, um, invited her to come down. She flew into Reno, picked her up at the airport. We drove down. To, we've never met before. Drove down we've to never met before. And we drove four hours. That's true. Four hours we together. Just knew the vibes were going to be good. We just felt it. We did. And then we and then we had so much fun snowboarding at Mammoth. And then we came back and we've been friends ever ever since. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. So okay. And I just, just I love I love for me it was like. We had met through the REI connection of, you know, speaking potentially on a panel about the, you know, women's health in sports. And I really respect and love what you're doing. Like, even when I first snowboarded, was starting to snowboard, I was wondering, like, where are the women and queer and non-binary, like, and folk of, like, people of color snowboarders? Like, where is the community around this? Because it is such a white, bro-y, like, Mm -hmm. alpha male sport. And I like tapping into my white, bro-y, alpha male side. And I'm like, where's the community? So when I learned about coalition and what you were doing and the programming and bringing people together and your athleticism and your commitment to the craft, it's so inspiring. It's And and you've built a whole world, Jen. I respect it. You've built a whole ecosystem between the clothing, the trips, the health, the podcast, the information, the blog, the photos, the nude snowboarding, which you know I'm a huge fan of that life. Like I haven't done that yet with you, but that's like definitely – in the future, we got to get folks together. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. There's so many things that I want to talk to you about. Well, I, there's things that I want our listeners to hear you talk about. Um, One of the things that I was thinking about from our trip in Japan was remember that night that Andrea Soslarski gave us the the, um, lesson on flow state Yes. Yes. That was, and creativity was really powerful. She's a, she's a child, like a kid's teacher, right? So she was teaching us that as grownups. Yeah, exactly. So she's, she's a professor of art and then also is a professional artist and um, who many of you might know from Instagram is drawing, drawing from nature, um, provided this workshop, this lesson around creativity and and flow state. And it was, um, it was just wonderful. And I was curious for you, Karen, if you like, are there any connections between like the flow that you get into as a musician and the flow that you get into as a snowboarder or a snowboarder. runner? Like, how, how does flow yes. um, exist in your life and, and in your creative endeavors? It's such a good question. It's I think it's that feeling that we are all actively striving and seeking. And I think that was the reason why I was drawn to snowboarding and the reason why we try to get better at any skill set technically so that we can 
arrive at flow state by just being good at what we do. As a drummer, I used to study all the paradiddles, all of the different licks and combinations, all of the technique, so that when I'm just playing freely, I have these tools in my arsenal to express myself and arrive at that flow state. So it's exactly that. And my happiest moments are in flow state. When I'm not looking at the clock, when I'm not thinking about anything else, that I'm fully immersed and present. It's love energy. It's your goddess, God energy. It's your creativity. So because I'm so aware of that feeling, I do feel I'm actively seeking it. And snowboarding was such an exciting way for me to get back into that feeling and re-energize it in my creativity. I think the answer to your question for me lies in I actively use sports to remind myself of that feeling and then bring it into my music. And then because I've experienced it as a musician, as a producer, as a drummer, I know how to tap into that feeling in my sports. Some of the lessons that I've learned are patience. You know, the first five, 10 minutes, sometimes we get greedy with flow state. We're like, oh, like I'm not focused. Like it's, I've lost it, you know, but you have to be willing to play the long game. I, you know, for me, my long runs, like my big dreams and goals start to form once I've passed the third and fourth and fifth mile marker. Like that's only what, so it's almost like you have to earn it. Like you have to like unlock flow state by like being fit enough or talented enough or technical enough to even arrive there. And in a way that's the motivation. So the first thing is patience. And then the second is surrender. A lot of us have the judgment voice, man. Like you look awkward when you're snowboarding. I definitely had my period, like my phases with that. Mm-hmm. falling so much you have to have this kind of ability to turn the knob down on the negative voices on the judgmental voices and say no but I understand I'm on the journey to something greater and then I think the third thing is just continuing to be in service of the craft keep coming back humbly like snowboarding it humbles you you think you're shredding and then boom you're already on your booty like within one second you're the goddess and then the next minute you're humbled I think that's a, a joy yeah it really is. I mean, there's there's a little saying of like, if if you're not falling, you're not trying hard enough. And I mm. think like as someone who's 45, I'm like, okay, you go ahead and fall on your 20 year old bones and come back to like, I will attempt to fall less. But there is um, <laughs> doing like doing something well doesn't necessarily mean doing it perfectly. Like there has to be that mm. room for failure or um, not even you know and and failure on a spectrum, right? Like just that Mm. simple falling over to maybe something bigger means that you're actually out there doing it. Like it, if it's, if it's perfect, if it's perfect, then are you actually working at it? Pushing. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. Do you think you've arrived at your 10,000 hours with your snowboarding? I mean, I would have to do some math, but one would think, right? So if I've been doing this almost 30 years, um, you would think- Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You definitely have arrived at your 10,000 hours. I've I've arrived. I mean, the the funny thing is, though, is that, like, I'm I'm an average snowboarder. I'm not not exceptional. Um, I'm pretty average. Uh, I certainly love it and enjoy it, and I think that that, like, that sort of confidence comes across in it. Um, but you know, hitting that 10,000 hours or doing it for 30 years, like I started at a time before snowboarding was about doing jumps and there was no park and everything was roped off. And then also just like how I am is like, I don't want to get hurt. And also my brain and body don't always talk to each other. Well, like I might know how to do something. And then like, I'm not actually (laughs) super athletic. I mean, I am, but I'm not like, I'm not an at like 
I'm really good at type two fun. I'm really good at like getting out there and doing things, right? But like, I'm not this like technically skilled person. Like, so when I say I'm not an athlete, that's what, what I mean. I'm not technically proficient. I just do things and I really don't care. Yeah, but I know you're also out here like on your nine day biking tour across yeah. Kenya and like you be out here putting in your hours. You very fit. I mean, it's inspiring. Thanks. All of us should, like, I feel like, yeah, the inspiration is for us to all remember to tap into that personal power that our bodies have. Because you're right. If we have this narrative, like, well, I'm not an athlete, so why should I even bother? Then it prevents us from getting mm-hmm. after it. So your perspective is refreshing. Thanks. Yeah. And it's not, yeah, it's just, it's not about, you don't have to want to be an expert at something, I think, to do it. Um, there's... I think there might, we might have certain things in our lives where we want to get to that point, but being in the outdoors, you, sh- you shouldn't have to feel like you have to be tech, like have this high level of technical expertise mm. to do it. Like you should just, the outdoors are for everyone. You should just be able to get out mm. there and do it and not, I love it's it. a shame that there is so much um, focus on how you look and how you speak and how you, <laughs> you know, how you show up versus if you're having fun and you know, with that, yes, it's like that should be good enough. Right. No, I love that. And actually for me, I, I actually really enjoy the super steep runs that may or may not have the moguls because I don't look pretty getting down it. Like, it's not like I'm out here carving and shredding, but it's like, that's where I learn because the, the stakes are higher. So that's where I learn how to turn properly. That's where I learn how to manage my body or fall responsibly like even from acro yoga and generally doing gymnastics as a kid like you learn how to fall in a way that doesn't destroy your body and you have to surrender like if you try to fight the fall it'll possibly lead to injury more than just allowing the kind of softness of the body to to give and to catch itself and it's bravery so sometimes i'm like those runs the steeper ones are under the chairlift you feel like you have an audience and as a musician like on one hand, that fuels me because I'm like, oh, let's go. Like, I have an audience, you know? <laughs> like, on the other hand, as a musician, you also only want to be on the stage when the show is ready to be shown. So there's also a part where I'm like, uh, this isn't for public consumption yet. I'm still learning how to turn. I'm still learning how to get down the, the, the heavier, the steeper one. But yeah. I like the bravery of it. I like the fact that staying alive keeps you present. Staying safe and not getting injured keeps you present. Yeah. Yeah. I I love this idea. No, this isn't ready for public consumption yet. I'm I'm going to over here. No one needs to see this. See this. Yeah. Literally, I'm workshopping this privately. But you know what's also important? There's an, then the, like the wiser self comes out, like the meditation Kieran comes out, meditated Kieran, mm-hmm. and she's like, "No, like show like model bravery, like model messiness and like model the fight, like model going down the slope." you know, making it happen rather than not attempting it at all. Like, that's what people need to see. If you look amazing going down the slope, then everyone's gonna be like, oh, like, I don't look like that. So there's no way I'm going down that. Yeah. How do you, how do you, or like, what is like, what are the routine or the little things that you do to have that bravery before you go on stage? Because you, I mean, you've, you've just put out a new album. You, you've been performing all over the world and you you put yourself out there how how do you mentally mm. prepare for something like that 
you know, I've seen the detrimental effects of hearing other people's judgmental voices. And what that does is it prevents you from going on the stage altogether. It would prevent you from getting on the snowboard altogether. It would prevent you from running a marathon. Like it's, these are, this is, we only get one life. I want to live fully. I want to live to the max. And I know it's messy. And so the biggest lesson that I've learned is that fear voice that everyone has, it really is so debilitating and it's the opposite of freedom. And I'm really interested in freedom. And freedom looks messy. Freedom looks playful. Freedom looks kind to the self. And on the other side of um, of that bravery is where all the good, good lies, all of the improvement. So I've had terrible public speaking. Like back in the day before I let go of alcohol, I remember like when I did my first TED Talk, I like went straight to the bar and like had like chugged like three beers because I just wanted to completely forget about the vulnerable embarrassing experience that was that TEDx mm. yet to this day and I was only 23 when I gave it to this day people mention atomic living that Brooklyn TEDx that mm. I talked you know to this day people are like I loved what you did that day and it's so we never know but you you get better only by doing is is the point and so I don't mind looking messy I don't mind having bad shows because these are on the way to the good good right and it's all it's there's not one thing that is the thing. Like everything is part yes. of a bigger journey. And I think so, like yes. sometimes we get in our heads of this is the thing that I'm doing. Well, maybe if you're going to die tomorrow, that might be the ultimate last thing that you're doing. But <laughs> ideally we get to stick around for a little bit longer. And well this said. is one, it's just another part of all the amazing things that we get to do. Um, and so it's almost like we, we shouldn't put that much pressure on any one particular event or experience because we don't we don't actually know what's what comes next. No, and I think one thing that I learned from you, Jen, that you're very good at is 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 amplifying a sense of play. Like mm. I'm always like, Jen, I really respect your discipline about how you go to the mountain. You're like, I'm having fun. Like no, I'm get like, that no, into your like. I'm not working fun. on Friday. I'm snowboarding, so I that's yeah, yeah. that's great. Okay, I have discipline. I'm literally fucking off multiple times in a week to snowboard. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so smart, and so I think even for me, that's very healthy for me to remember. I'll share something with you that I think you'd find interesting. I was doing a Deepak Chopra meditation, and he talked about a scientist from UCLA who had broken down the human day into seven chunks. And if you can optimize for these seven experiences in each day, it adds to sort of happiness, let's say. So the first one is sleep, of course. And the second one is time in, whether it means journaling, meditation, just a moment to go inward. Uh, the third was time out. So whether that's your nourishment, your shower, you're just a moment of pause in the day, whether you're eating something, just stillness. So that's three. Four was focus, so that's our work, you know, whether it's being on laptop or just focus, dedicated to something that we care about and we're advancing ourselves. Five was play, which I love. So for people who have kids, that's a great time to just, you know, be in the castle or be in the imagination. Maybe it's acro yoga, anything that's just play, joyful, fun. Um, the sixth thing, let's think what the other two were. There were seven that I really respected. Um, movement. Mm -hmm. movement of any kind sports walking movement and then the last one was intimate connection whether it's calling up a family member being with friends tapping in you know having emotional intimacy of some sort with someone who matters to you and so these seven buckets I was like wow you know how profound what a nice way to kind of reflect on each day in these small 
um, micro choices. Um, I thought it was really nice because a lot of times we're geared towards focus on just work and, you know, getting after it and grinding and this kind of thing. But balance is, is, is really where life feels multidimensional. Yeah. And that, I mean, the movement and and the play, I think like a lot of times for those of us who are pretty dedicated to something in the outdoors or dedicated to a particular sport, we forget that it should still be fun. And Mm. um, at at that moment, and and there's always going to be moments when it's not fun, right? Like either you're going to have a hard freezing or you have like a gear failure or you're in an awful lift line or you had to sit on the chairlift with somebody who you're like, you're still lucky. I'm not going to push you off right now. Um, All the things that might might happen. Right. But um, if you're not like, if you're not having fun, then you really have to think about why you're, why you're doing it. Cause like that movement and that being in your body should always include some sort of, of joy. Is that the podcast? We did it. <laughs> We're done. We've not- We're done. And Dustin, uh, the key takeaways are, about. yeah, the key takeaways are bravery, play, and freedom. Yes, those those are the things. Okay, I want to talk about your music because you've been working. Oh, yeah. You've been working really hard. Yeah, you heard the demo of Crystals and Congas like a year before it came out. Yes. So there's, there's that. And then there's also a lot of the experimental stuff that you've been doing with recording Antarctica project sounds in nature. So I just want you to talk like what, I just want you to talk about whatever feels good to you right, right now, but all, all the things that you've been working on are really with, with your music is really fun. Thank you. Hell yeah. Thank you. I, uh, Vibrations was the third uh, album that I put out. It came out in December. It's five songs. And I think, you know, one of the most exciting parts for me, interestingly, is that we mixed it in Dolby Atmos. And Spotify doesn't actually have the 360 spatial audio option. But if you listen on Apple Music or a couple of the other platforms and have AirPods or headphones, you actually can experience the music in this multidimensional 360 listening experience. It's a lot more immersive. And as someone who has a lot of layers in my music, sax, synthesizers, bass, percussion, vocals, drum set, like it really lent that that multidimensional experience really lends itself well to my music. And so we've even been meeting with planetariums and like, and and dome-like spaces to actually perform the music. I was telling my agent the other day, I was like, Amy, Madam Gandhi doesn't play in normal venues anymore. We only play in spherical 360 high res sound experiences. Um, so that's, you know, I, I like being an artist who likes to, who enjoys using tech intelligently. And I think um, live is a way to really design more artful experiences for the listener and more healing experiences because the vibrations are going in your chest and you're feeling good, not just lyrically. <clears throat> the second project that uh, you're asking me about is in the pandemic, I started going into nature and recording the sounds of uh, you know, rivers and pebbles falling into the river and twigs and even the mushrooms kind of moving um, in the wind, things like that. And we ended up taking all the raw audio material and making a pack of kicks and and, and hi-hats and snare drums and even synthesizers 100% organically sourced from these nature sounds. And the pack won an award from Splice, which is a production company online. And anyone to this day can go on 
and take those um, individual beats and make their own music out of the nature sounds. This year, the project has been building on that Antarctica sounds. So right after I had met you last year in 2022, I went out to Antarctica and used underwater microphones that I had built at this Stanford program uh, and recorded the sounds of glaciers melting. And it's a tragic sound, but it's beautiful and it's life affirming. And so we've been using some of the sounds literally as they are, but then also once again, making, you know, ice drum kits and penguin synthesizers and, and the sounds of uh, Antarctica to, to create electronic music. And so imagine if the beats are good for you, the lyrics are good for you. Um, you know, I want to really deliver my audience something that is unique and technical and beautiful. So that pack will be coming out in a few months. That's exciting. Thank you. So is there like, is there another album in the works? Is there? Yes. What are, what are yes. We this will be the long form album. And okay. I want this album to be a lot even more focused on wellness, um, on positive thought, on high vibrational values. I mean, there's been plenty of artists who have used their music for good. And I just think I get to be on that path and contribute more knowledge in that space. Music that has good lyrics has always made me feel good. Sometimes it leans really cheesy. And so that's also been really important to me to be an artist who still has kind of a, a like a sharpness, a swag, a sex appeal, you know, that's a little bit more thoughtful than just like life is, is fairies and rainbows. It's not really that. It's like actually that life is really hard. And if you want Jedi ninja status, like you have to actively program your mind to be free. Like that's really what this project is about. And so I was in Boston last week recording um, a song called Blessings on Blessings. I have another song with a female producer out in uh, uh, Los Angeles called Ebony Smith. That song is called Letting Go. So I feel like the album, you know, it's a continuation of my sound with the electronics and drums. Uh, and the music is even more mantra and lyric oriented. And when's that coming out? Do we know? <laughs> That's your Virgo. That's your producer Virgo side. Like, chop, chop. Is, uh, can we get it? I'm line? making, excuse me, I'm making plans. Okay, Kieran. No, this is so kind. Um, I'm a Pisces and time doesn't exist. And, uh, uh, the music timeline births itself. I mean, I, I think probably probably in, in another year. It would take time to, to finish off the long form album. Um, but that's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> so you're Pisces. What's your rising sign? Cancer. Which one do you think? But my moon is Virgo, which is yeah. why I get anything done on this planet. Thank goodness. That you, right, yeah. Like, thank, thank you, because there's a lot that we all are enjoying that you've been creating. What do you? Okay, so Cancer, Pisces. What? How do you think you present to the world more Cancer or more Pisces? I I do think I present Pisces and Virgo very strong, even though the rising is supposed to be how people experience you. Mm -hmm. um, I would say where my Cancer is coming out more recently is being quite boundaried. And being quite quick to flip the script. Maybe you could even say that's a little Gemini energy. Like if, if I'm open to you, open to you, open to you, and then I notice draining energy or like not nice energy, I'm cool to just like stop responding. I'm cool to leave you on red, you know? And mm -hmm. it's not, you know, there's, a, there's for certain relationships, it's worth it for me to pick up the phone and be like, hey, this didn't feel good. This didn't feel good. I've also made the mistake of uh, giving too much energy to, to draining experiences. And I don't even need to say that person is draining. It's just that I'm observing how my energy reacts to this person's personality. They may be so loved by everybody. I'm just being authentic to myself. 
if I'm not enjoying the interaction and I don't feel the need to further deepen the relationship, I found myself uh, a little more easily able to step back and reprioritize my energy. And it's also because I am very emotional. So when things don't feel nice, it it really upsets me. So it's also my my effort to keep my own vibes high, healthy, positive, uh, rather than feeling caught up. Yeah, that's, I feel like no matter what your sign is, that would be such a good thing to do. I was just having a conversation with a friend the other day of like, you know, 2022 for me was this, was a year where I really, um, I held space for a lot of people that none of them were in my life anymore, which is okay. And man, that was that was a lot. That was a lot of energy. I was, I held, I held, I remember I was with you during a lot of those experiences and exactly. I respect your desire for harmony. I respect your desire for wanting to have it be better. And you're yeah. so right. Those who love you and adore you, they will step up and want to get it right with you. And mm. those who are continue to drain you good that you let them go. You have to let them go. Yeah. What my, what my friend said that I really liked was that, um, thinking about the concept of holding space, like maybe you don't hold space so close, right? So how Ooh. So hold space further away, right? So it's not that you're necessarily going to completely write someone off or get into an argument with them. Right. Or, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be negative, but if you mm. take people and you hold them further away and then consider mm. what you hold closer, so create like, and wow. that's to your point, having boundaries with things, right? So like wow. what's, making sure that's what's right in front of you. It's what's like nourishing you and energizing you and helping you grow as a person. And then those people who you maybe don't want to give up on or turn your back on they're the space you hold for them is, is further out because they can't be. I like so that. I yeah. really love that. I, I I'm learning that from you right now. I think that's very clever. And something that you res like that resonated within me when you were speaking was also, uh, um, Oh, it was so good. I was like, this is, I'm learning this from you. Allowing people to come back and, oh, just that our human attention really can only be on so many things at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so we actually have to be so precise with where we are directing our attention. And yeah. as a musician who wants to make music that is good for people, even when I think of my social media, I don't want to put any crap into the world. I really think there's so much junk. There's mm -hmm. junk food, junk television, junk purchases, junk music, junk Instagram, everything. And there's a lot of nourishing food, nourishing interactions, nourishing things that we can buy that have value and meaning to us. Absolutely. And we have to be ninja smart and discerning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's the same with our friendships, because if we are putting so much of our precious human attention on things that are stressful, anxiety inducing, either we have to learn how to manage those relationships better and develop those emotionally intelligent skill sets, or we have to be brave to say, this is a hard no. Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to work on that too. The, um, the staying focused. I've been trying to work on that professionally. You know, I, I like shiny things. Like when something is exciting, I'm like, I want to do that. What were you thinking of? What were you referring to? Oh, just, I think like whenever there's something really exciting or different or like game, like something that feels like game changing and like, or that might like really contribute to 
making the world like a more interesting, better place. I'm like, I, mm. I want to do it. So I have a million irons in the fire, right? So it's like, I've got um, coalition selling skis and boards. We've got our far out trips. We have the retail shop called Far Out. We have Operate a Light. We have, I have this podcast. I have um, the newsletter. Uh, I've Crazy. got, I'm working on a book. I wow. have a I like all these things. And um, what I've been trying to work on is to not keep creating new things, but look at like, what am I already doing that is working? And how do I put more into making that thing Love. work? Love. And there's like things that I've been reining in and, and there's like some things that we might even be sunsetting, like simply to sort of like focus energy more. I feel like it's one of the Love most adult things I've like <laughs> ever, like ways that I adult, I, I signed a five-year lease for a retail store and I like, wow. I like, you know, get, I like do my hair and get dressed and look cute and go into it multiple times a week, <laughs> like a fucking adult. No one thought that was possible. I'm also like being like very discerning about where I spend my energy and my time professionally adult also relationship wise with, um, sparkly people with HG, like mm. just like being so focused on I'm, I'm, these are the type of people I'm going to welcome in, in, into my life that these are the type of relationships that I'm going to nurture. You might be wonderful. You might be hot. You might be smart. You might have all these things, but if, if there's not that like vulnerability, growth, um, uh, connection, um, and just like intuitively feeling good, then it's just a no, like it just can't happen. Yes. And yes. so there's I love, and I think things. One thing that I respect about you that I remember we chatted about when we were in uh, Japan on the trip was that you're very um, open and honest in your relationship dynamics from the beginning about the arrangement that you want, what feels good, what doesn't, um, mm -hmm. wanting to be with possibly more than one person at the same time. I feel like the more we love ourselves and understand ourselves and the more we're then able to tell others. And yeah. that way it depersonalizes it because it's from the beginning. It obviously has nothing to do with the other person or your desire or like for them. It's actually out of respect for them and respect for yourself. And, you know, the more I spend time doing my spiritual work, the more I learn it's it, really, we are born as individuals. We will pass as, you know, ourselves. We are blessed to have community along the way. Our parents, our families, friends, chosen family, perhaps babies, if we choose to have that in our lives. But the connection we have with ourselves, and the deeper we can understand what is true for ourselves, the more we can navigate our life. So I think one thing you do well in your relationships is you say from the beginning what is uh, important to you. I do. I mean, I, I think I think I've gotten to the point where I recognize that if I don't do that, then other people will get hurt, and I'll get hurt, and that that's and whether that's like personally or professionally, just being very clear about the expectations rather than holding things back and hoping that you'll change or the other person will change or it'll, it'll turn out in a, in a certain way. So I, I think honesty awesome. is really important. I think also like, I think part of being super honest for me is a way of trying to be understood by others. Like here it is. This is what, this is, this is what you get. Any questions? Mm. This is it. And it's like, <laughs> I feel like as a 45-year-old woman who's chosen to never be married and never have kids and exist in um, non-traditional relationships with men and women alike, like 
I'm, there's can be a lot of misunderstanding. And so for me, being honest is like how to try to, to temper that. Um, and just, Mm -hmm. there's just something to like, I just yearn to be understood, right? Like I want to be understood. Is that something like for you as an artist or just in, in your life, do you, do you struggle with that at all in terms of I put this as a lyric the other day, like life is good. Now, now I'm understood and life is good. Life is good. I'm understood. And so it's funny. It's very affirming to hear you say that because I also feel the same. Ultimately yeah. feeling understood is so, that's one of the cores of intimacy. It, it's you understanding yourself and then feeling connected and seen to another being. It's very powerful. It's, I think it's, the, it's like the antidote to us, to people who might feel like they want to take their own life. It's because that feeling is lacking. That feeling of connectedness, feeling seen, feeling understood. And, you know, sometimes when I write these lyrics, I'm like, man, that's, I'll, I'll have my judgment voice. And my judgment voice would be like, that's basic. That's obvious. That's just because it rhymes, you know, like that's the, that's the artist hat. And then on the other hand, I'm like, let it be simple. Kieran, your favorite artist is Fela Kuti. Fela Kuti would have maybe max 10 lyrics in one song and say it over and over again, because it was so important um, and so radical and simple so that everybody could understand it and connect. Even if you uh, looked at Trump as an example, the message is consistent, simple, digestible. <laughs> Everybody understands the message. So, yeah. I mean, even even Obama changed. To this day, we understood his campaign. It was simple and sincere. So when I hear you talk about wanting to be understood, I absolutely relate. And in fact, a lot of my times when I'm not feeling my best self is that feeling of loneliness, lack of connection, lack of feeling understood, lack of feeling desired. Um, all those kinds of things. And I have to actively manage those voices. I also, I'm curious, like, where did they come from? Is it childhood? Is it uh, programming? Is it this? Is it that? Is it school? You know, where did that come from? Because I don't want to participate in those discouraging beliefs. I want something better for myself and for my life. And I therefore want to uh, model that behavior for others. This is what it looks like to have that belief, transmute it, kiss it away and have a better belief. So yes, here's to us all being more understood. Yeah. I mean, that's, I feel like that's what we're all doing. That's, that's the biggest, Mm -hmm. like one of the biggest things is to be understood. And we don't arrive because we keep changing as humans. So as soon as you understand one thing, you know, you're already out to the next. Yeah. Yep. Contain multitudes. Um, I'm trying to think about what else I want to talk to you about. I mean, I feel like I can talk to you forever because we never get, we don't get that much time to to chat. So I'm kind of like, well, we're recording this podcast, but also I want to catch up with my friend. Also, maybe that's the point (laughs) to like, stop (laughs) recording. Perfect. Um, But um, yeah, I guess what I'll, I guess what maybe to leave it on is kind of going back to the beginning of the conversation um, you know, you just started snowboarding in the last couple years. This winter was a big mm. year for you, um, mm. in terms of like getting the, like learning this, this, um, skill of powder. What advice would you give to somebody else who's just learning to ski or, or snowboard? Um, and like what, what has helped you sort of progress over the last few, few years? Number one, get a coalition snowboard. That, that snowboard is buttery. That Queen Bee 145 is buttery. No. 
<laughs> uh, and even to that point, the tech, the tech side, like, I think you were the one who was like, no, dude, like this board, even though it's yellow is way too tall for you. And of course yes. you were right. And then when I cut it by eight centimeters or eight inches or whatever it was, it was like immediately a game changer. Yeah. Secondly, you were like, don't wear men's boots. And I'm like, but they're cool. And they're this, and they were that. And you're like, you need to wear women's boots. Um, so even just the knowledge and like being part of the coalition community has been big. Um, <laughs> things that you wouldn't think are that big of a deal clearly make a difference in smaller terms on the actual mountain. The second thing is, so the first is gear and, and tech and buy a coalition board. Second is uh, community. You know, it's so fun going snowboarding with your friends. And it's interesting because I'll always start off in a group and then I end up going off on my own. I like the combination. Like, mm -hmm. I don't need to fully pull up to the mountain by myself, even though I have done that. I think there's something nice about like tapping in, sharing the day with somebody else, um, meeting for lunch, you know, all of that kind of thing. So community is a big one. Um, one other thing that I love to do is I have a little JBL clip. So it clips onto my gear and I play music loud rather than it being in my headphones. I think that's more dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I like having like gentle electronic music playing um, while boarding. And then, you know, I think it's that bravery. Like you got to like get up and get after it. Like just, it's always inertia. Like it's not easy to get going. You have to put your gear on, then you're hot on the inside, then you have to go outside, then you're cold. Like it's just, you have to just be ready for a little bit of uh, ruggedness and just get up and get after it. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, uh, I think what you touched on with like community, that's like such, that's such a big a big part of it is like finding the people who you are going to feel really comfortable with and who you're going to have fun with and where those experiences of learning are still joyful rather than yes. being or painful. Yes. Like that's that's or feeling like you're holding somebody else back. I think yeah. it's good to be honest about like your level compared to others level and find people who are on your same rhythm because mm -hmm. neither person wants to be waiting for the other at the bottom of the chairlift. You know, you want to find rhythm um, with community. So I think that's that's not a good or a bad. It's just an isness. Like once we find those people who we can snowboard consistently with, it's a great feeling. Or for in my case, I like snowboarding with faster snowboarders because it pushes my risk tolerance a little higher. When I'm by myself, I'm more than happy to just go at a gentler pace. But but ultimately, the more fun is when it's faster. So I like snowboarding with people who are faster than I am because it forces me to keep up and push my own risk tolerance. Yeah. Always pushing, always growing. Amen. That's what we're doing. Friend, it was so lovely to have you on Juicy Bits. I'm going to put all the links to all your things in the show notes. So if anybody is Thank like, you. where do I find her? Um, I mean, you can yes, Google. at Madam Gandhi for sure. And you can yes. find it there. And then also I'll put all the links. So thanks for being here. And now I'm going to um, hit stop on recording so that you and I can talk about when we're going to snowboard next. So we're going to do that. Woo! Woo!